I'm going to invite up the woman of the word, Kathy Scarcella. <laughs> and just a little bit about Kathy um, and the Scarcella family. Great family, long-term, um, long-term members of City Church, but down in Nara. And their family have been missionaries over in China. They're here to bless us today. So let's just give them a warm City Church MacArthur welcome. Thank, thank you so much. Come on. All right. The hardest part's over. You can all sit down. Thanks. (laughs) Wow, what a great bunch of people. Beautiful, beautiful family of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? We have family all over the world. I'm just astounded every time I've travelled to a new place and I meet a brother or a sister in Christ, no matter why I'm travelling, it's like, oh, we're family. It's amazing. Like, we, we just have such a big family. And we are really, truly blessed. So if you don't mind, I just might pray because I really, really want God's message to be heard. And I really, really want your hearts to be open to what he's got to say to you personally. So let's pray. Father, God, you're amazing, Lord. We love you so much. Father God, we just pray this day we commit it to you. I pray your Holy Spirit would move in this place. And that, Lord, your words would be heard, that our hearts would be open, soft to what you would speak to each of us individually, Lord. I pray that your transforming power would be at work today in all of our hearts, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, I was going to introduce myself, but I won't now because it's already been done. (laughs) This is my husband, Laurie. Sorry, but he's the most amazing man in the world. So if you're single looking for a guy, you'll have to take second best. (laughs) This is my daughter, Lily. Lily Scarcella. So, um, yeah, it's great to have them with me, actually. Um, Yeah. So uh, my message today is called Run to Win. And you'll understand why as we go along a little bit. But um, I actually have, we have four children. So our oldest son is 30, he's up in Brisbane, and we have twins who are 20 this month, and Lily. Um, and I, I was reflecting last weekend on Mother's Day, a memory of when the twins were babies. It's really, really interesting time having twins as babies. Not that I remember a lot of it. <laughs> it's a bit of a blur. But it is a blessing, such a blessing. But I remember um, we'd get up through the night. I had trouble feeding them, so feeding was a big ordeal. So I'd get up through the night and Laurie would get up every time we'd, I'd have to feed the babies. And so I remember we'd sit, our lounge room was positioned so that there was one lounge across from the other. So we'd be facing each other and every now and then I'd see Laurie's head go down like this and then clonk. I go, Laurie, <laughs> he's holding a baby. It's like, you can't fall asleep. <laughs> and he kind of jolt too. And then next minute, my head's gone. And he'd go, Kathy, wake up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and I remember it was such a hard time. Like every day you wake up tired. Every night you wake up tired. <laughs> so it's really is, it's, it's a time when your endurance is growing. And those, those seasons in life, no matter what they are, they're growing your endurance. Not that you really appreciate it at the time, but in hindsight, I can see that endurance was grown through those seasons. 
And motherhood requires a lot of endurance. And all the mothers would say. (laughs) And I know that there's been many times over the years where I've kind of just been at the end of myself. Like, I'm just like, I'm done. (laughs) You can't quit though being a (laughs) mum. But there's been many times where I've just been at the end of myself and I've just fallen at Jesus' feet in a heap and just said to him, like, I'm done, Lord. I have nothing left. There's nothing left in me. But he's everything. And that's exactly where we find the greatest strength is in, at his feet, in him. He's my strength and he's my everything. If only I can learn that when I'm not at the end of myself. <laughs> if you would like to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read from verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> it says, Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is a really powerful scripture for our life, for our whole life. And I'll get to that. But this is such a powerful scripture. There's so much in this scripture. I actually, I actually preached this message last week. And through the week, I was just thinking of how much there is that I could have still unpacked. There's just like, you could just do weeks and weeks and weeks on this scripture alone. There's so much to unpack out of the word of God. It's a living, breathing word of God. And I encourage you, really get into it. Like if, if this is where you're at, just really dig into it. Whatever you're reading in the Word, there's so much to unpack in the Word of God when you push in and dig in. Yes, yeah, so then we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. I'm going to read from the CEV version. It says, You know that many runners enter a race and only one of them wins the prize. So run to win. That's the goal. When you get in a race, you're not in the race to play or to, to talk to your friends. Like, you're in a race to win. Now, we're in a race. Like, the Bible's clear. We're running a race. But our race is not necessarily against each other. Well, it's not against each other at all, actually. We're not racing against each other at all. When we win is when we finish our race. That's us winning our race because we have enough obstacles and challenges to take us out along the way that to finish the race is to win the race. So we're all in it to win, right? Now today, we're in it to win. But we need to know what it is to win this race, to finish the race tomorrow and then the next day and then the next day. And it's not a competition. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For I say... Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We all have a different measure of faith. So how could we possibly be racing each other? That, that just wouldn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You know, I have a friend in a country I won't name. I won't mention my friend's name either. <laughs> um, And he had this vision that he shared with me that he'd had quite a few years earlier. 
And the vision was that he was running a race. He was in a running race in lanes. And he looked beside him and he said, there was Billy Graham next to him. And Billy Graham was like really big. And he was really small. <laughs> He's looking up. But he noticed that him and Billy Graham were actually at the same, the same, what's that called? Pace. <laughs> they were at the same pace. So they, he was really big because his calling was different. His faith that God had given him for what God had called him to was different. But he was at the same pace. There, was, there wasn't this like, I'm going to beat him. We actually need to encourage each other and spur each other on. We're not meant to actually try to, you know, get in front of each other like a red light special. You know, we're supposed to actually be side by side. We're brothers and sisters. We're standing together and we encourage each other. And we do need that encouragement. We so need that encouragement, all of us. We need that spurring on, not the pulling back or the trying to get in front. It's not a competition. We each have a unique call on our lives. We each have our own race to run. And we need to remember that. Too often we can get caught up in the competitive side of life. Our opposition, which we do have, we have plenty of that, <laughs> it's not other races. Our opposition are the weights and the sins that so easily ensnare us. The distractions, the obstacles. I have seen, I've been, I've been running my race for 30 years. <laughs> I've seen many, many people fall along the wayside. And it really breaks my heart. I know it breaks the Lord's heart. There's been people that have started running so well and they're running and they're just, they get offended or they get hurt or they trip or for whatever reason, they fall along the wayside, they get distracted, they get taken out. And it's really, my heart really does break because they have a race to run. And a lot of the time people become spectators who become experts in running from the sideline, you know? Oh, look at how they're running. They shouldn't be running like that. You know, that it's not how we're meant to be. If you, if, you know, if your heart is busy spectating other people running, you need to have a look at your own race and are you actually running it? Are you in the race? I don't think runners are actually focused on other runners as much as they are the goal. And this scripture actually in Hebrews tells us where to keep our eyes fixed. And it's not on each other. Right? So Hebrews, this scripture in Hebrews actually tells us step by step how to run our race. So it starts with number one, that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. That's got to be an encouragement to us. For those that have gone before us, that we can look at them like my husband and I, we watched The Hiding Place. It's Corrie Ten Boom's story. And it's Kind of a slow movie for nowadays because it was made in 1975. But things made in the 70s were really good, right? <laughs> um, it just encouraged my faith. It really just stirred that faith in me. It's not often you can watch a movie and feel that way these days. Like, it's hard to find a movie that makes you feel that way. But just seeing these women and their faith in the Lord... It encouraged me. It spurred me on. Excuse me. Just seeing other people that have gone before us and hearing their testimonies and hearing their faith. You know when you hear the faith of somebody from 200 years ago 
And you go, wow, I understand what they're saying. They've got the same faith in God like I do. How is that? Because it's the same God. It's the same God we serve. And doesn't it spur you on and encourages your heart? And you go, wow, that really just stirs up the faith in me, the faith in God in me. So we need to make sure that we, we look for that encouragement. We need to make sure we give it. We've got to give that encouragement to those that are behind us even, those younger in the faith, or even those that are just around us. Encouragement is such a powerful thing. And then it goes on to say, let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. There are so many things that put pressure on us. Expectations of other people. That can be a weight that we carry. Expectations of ourselves can be a weight that we carry. There are many, many weights that we carry on forgiveness and burdens. It says to lay those things aside. Only take what you need. Athletes that compete to win, they don't carry bags with them. Have you ever seen anyone on the track with a backpack? Never. (laughs) Mind you, endurance racing, you do need to take some things with you. We'll get to that later. (laughs) Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 to 30. This has been my, my um, scripture for the year, I guess, where God's been teaching me a lot out of this scripture. It says, Come to me, all you labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a so I, I probably will say this about every scripture I read because it's really powerful because every scripture is really powerful. But this is just so powerful. This is Jesus saying, learn from me. Don't you think we should learn what he's saying? Like, have a little listen. This is Jesus here saying, learn from me. So shouldn't we listen to what he's about to say? It's like, okay, here's my biggest tip, right? And he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's powerful. That sounds really, really simple. But there's something really powerful in this, in this principle. Being gentle and lowly in heart. This year, we, we actually came back from China in 2019 with the intention of returning in March 2020. But as you can see, we didn't quite get there. <laughs> and... Things have changed, borders have changed, <clears throat> the government's changed, so it's not really possible for us to go back for a little while if we get there. <laughs> so I've been learning a lot of new things <laughs> since I've been here. So I've started a new job and I've taken on new ministries that I didn't intend to do. So I've had this big learning curve and through this learning, when you're learning a lot of new things at once, it can be quite overwhelming. <laughs> And because, like, I'm more mature, (laughs) I've learned a lot of things already. So some things conflict with what you've already learned. And and God's just been teaching me out of this scripture, just be gentle and lowly of heart. You'll learn easier. And I have. As soon as I, I feel like I'm struggling and stressing, I just think about this scripture and I go, you know, if I just humble myself in this situation and just go, okay, Lord, teach me. Let me be teachable. Let me be gentle in this situation and not respond harshly or not respond. There's so many things that bug me in the media. There's a lot of things I have very strong opinions about. (laughs) And to be gentle is such a beautiful thing in a person, but it's so easy to not be when you you get, you know, we, we get this 
indignation in us and we think these things are wrong, you know, we need to fight and we need to have that gentleness in our heart like Jesus was gentle. He was, he's just so beautiful, Jesus. I just love Jesus so much and I want to be like him. Do you want to be like him? You know, he's telling us how to be like him. Just be gentle and lowly in heart. Allow him to meet you where you're at. Then it goes on to say, lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. And that goes for every single one of us. Anyone can be easily ensnared by sin. And it'll look different for everybody. But Jesus will protect us. Apart, partly from being gentle and lowly in heart and staying at his feet. And remembering those that have gone before us and how did they run their race. We can, we can learn from these things. You know, sin is just the trap that is there to ensnare us, to prevent us from completing our race. That's, it's, that's the whole goal of sin. It's there to trick us, to stop us from running, to get us off track. But Romans 8 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And then Galatians says, I say then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We've been given victory over sin. We can walk in it. We walk in the spirit every day, not just on Sunday. Sunday morning, quick, got to get spiritual. We've got to be spiritual every day. Walk in the spirit every single day. And it's not easy to keep, keep focused in the spirit realm. Like it's so hard when you've got all these distractions in the world, especially I think, I don't know if it's more now, but the media seems to be really, really easy to look at. <laughs> Okay, so four, run with endurance. Run with endurance. The dictionary's definition of endurance is the ability to endure an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving up. But I would say (laughs) endurance is the choice to endure an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving up. You know, endurance is a decision that you make. It's not an ability that you're equipped with. We're all equipped with the same ability to make a decision. The the power of choice is the gift that Christ gave us. He gave us the freedom from sin and death, right? So we're free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. So when you're free, you know you're free because you have choice. That's the definition, right? So we know we have the choice. To not give up. It's so easy to want to give up. Like really, I reckon if I asked you, I think everyone in this room would put their hand up and say, yeah, there's been a day where I've wanted to give up. <laughs> like, but not necessarily you did because you chose. We choose. Choice is such a powerful thing. Enjoy, endurance is the accumulation of choices and decisions along the way to continue on. And, you know, sometimes we do give up. Sometimes we do sit down on the inside. We just had it. That's when we're at the feet of Jesus. If you go to the feet of Jesus at that point, that's when you'll find that strength to keep going. Endurance races know that the majority of the winning is not in the physical body, but in the mind and the attitude. So I looked up an uh, endurance races website to get some tips because I'm not really an endurance racer. <laughs> Well, I am, but in a different race. <laughs> so, um, and I got a list of six tips that they gave, and I kind of saw a 
similarity into the way that we can walk our walk. So the first tip was always follow equipment list, even if you don't think you're going to need it. You know, our, the Word of God is our equipment list. Everything in the Word of God is necessary. You know, we'd like to cut some things out and go, oh, I don't really need that. Or I'm really angry at that person, so I'm not going to choose forgiveness today because I don't need it. I'm happy with the way I am and I'm still, look, full of joy. <laughs> Get down the track about 10 years and you'll find everything's miserable. So we need to trust what the Word says. We need to add everything in the Word to our life. The second one is create a mantra. More times than not, it's not the physical exhaustion that causes people to quit. It's the negative self-talk. So we need to know the Word of God so that we can med- meditate on the Word of God. And we can, we can speak it out when we need it. When we're really, really struggling, we need to be able to speak out the Word of God. We need the Word of God. When fear comes to you, you need to be able to speak out those scriptures against it straight away. You've got to have the Word in your heart. The Word is powerful. It's alive. It's living. And when we get it in our heart... We can walk with it and it's powerful in our life and we walk in freedom and liberty. Number three, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. That's pretty self-explanatory. We need the Holy Spirit, right? We need the living water within us. We need that Holy Spirit every day, soaking in the Holy Spirit, allowing him to do that transforming work in our lives. Number four, switch up your training. Do what you're not comfortable with. Oh, everyone loves that, don't they? You know, where's God leading you to serve? You know, does it make you uncomfortable? (laughs) It's good to get uncomfortable. And the hardest time to get uncomfortable is when you're comfortable. It's really, really hard to get out of that. You know, it's tough. But once you're uncomfortable, it's like, yes something comes alive in you. Like when we moved to China, we were pretty uncomfortable. (laughs) I can tell you there's a lot of discomfort, (laughs) a lot of challenges that we didn't know were going to be there, but they were there. So we got really uncomfortable. Something come alive in us, like something, yeah. And we knew we were where God wanted us to be. So you don't just get uncomfortable for the sake of being uncomfortable, but you step out in where he's leading you. And it'll it'll make you uncomfortable because you've got to grow. But, oh, I tell you what, something comes alive in you and you learn so many new things and you encounter so many amazing things in this journey with the Lord. Number five, eat healthy. Wow. Feast on the word every single day. I'm coming back to the word. (laughs) Feast on that word every single day. And then number six is train your brain. You know, we need to focus on Jesus. Keep looking unto him. We've got to train our brain to keep our focus on him. And that's my next point is looking unto Jesus. That's the next part of the scripture in Hebrews. And you know the word looking there in Greek, I'm going to have a go, says aphorao. Sound good? The meaning is undivided attention, looking away from distractions in order to fix one's gaze on one object. That's really powerful when you think about it because we do get distracted and it's, it's like if you say to somebody, just sit here and look at that dot on the wall, it's like it's really hard. But distractions come and draw our eyes. But looking unto Jesus is actually shifting our focus, looking away from distractions, like recognising a distraction for what it is and looking away from that into Jesus' face. 
looking to him. We could read that then as looking away from distractions and fixing our gaze on Jesus. Just fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's looking unto Jesus. We need to keep our eyes fixed. We really do. And I know that it's a challenge and I know that it's like a constant shifting of our gaze because there's so many things that our mind will just take us all over the shop. But we need to just keep our eyes fixed on him, him alone. He's our focus. He's got to be our focus. So many of the distractions are the cares of the world. Our interests even, things that we just find interesting. There's a lot of interesting stuff. And if you have an interest that's really consuming you, it can take your eyes off. So you have a hiccup while you're focused somewhere else and you kind of go, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> if you have a hiccup while your focus is on Jesus, you can look to him straight away and go, what's the answer? <laughs> you know, we need him. We need him. Entertainment can be a distraction. Riches, our security, our status, how we appear before other people. That can be a really big deal. Like we can be really caught up in those things. That comparison trap can really take us down. Insecurities. You know, I had a really revelation about insecurities. When we feel insecure around other people, we're judging them. Because what we're saying is, oh, they might think bad of me, so I feel insecure. So actually, we've already judged them, thinking that they're going to think bad of us. That's bad, isn't it? That's judgment right there. We think insecurity, oh, you poor thing, you feel insecure. No, they're judging you. Honestly, this is a, this is a really powerful revelation. <laughs> so looking away from distractions and fix our gaze on Jesus. Jesus has got to be where we're looking. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He's it. We need him. You know, our shield of faith is a shield of faith, but what is your faith in? You know, if your faith is in other people, they're going to be taking the fiery darts for you. Is that fair? No. Our faith should be in God. That's the only thing that will stand. Is your fa if your faith is in an ideal of God, it's like having a paper shield. If you don't know God and your faith is not in him and who he is, then your shield will be very poor and those fiery darts are going to come on through. You need to have your faith in God and God alone. He's the only one that can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Him. And if you don't know him, I really want to introduce you to him today. He is amazing. He's all-powerful. He's almighty God. And he loves you. And he wants to be your defender and protector. Have your faith in God so that he can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You think about that a whole armour of God is everything that Jesus has done. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. We didn't save ourselves. Breastplate of righteousness, it's not our righteousness, it's his. Everything is about him. Everything is about surrendering to what he has done. He has won the victory, yes. What is our, our fight? Our fight is keeping our faith. Isn't it the good fight of faith? It's keeping our faith. And it's, I've heard Pastor Jason say over this last few months, again and again, our fight is the fight of faith. 
And it's true. I, had, I looked in scriptures and I'm thinking he's right. Our fight is the fight of keeping our faith because that's what the enemy is trying to take out is our faith. He's trying to take us off course. He's trying to stop us running our race. He's trying to distract us or wound us or trip us or tempt us away from the race that we're in. We want to finish the race. I want to finish my race. I want to get to the end of my life like Corrie Ten Boom at 80-something or other and she'd done what she was called to do. Wow, what an amazing day. We need him in everything. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 to 8 says, I have fought the good fight. This is Paul. Can you imagine? He's, he's at the end. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I want to be able to say that. On my deathbed, I actually said, said to my husband yesterday, you know, you only really die once. I want to make it a good one. I don't want it to be wasted. You only get to do it once. Don't you want God to be glorified even in your death? You think about Billy Graham. He died and everyone's preaching the gospel after he's dead because he died. That's what I want. People talking about Jesus when I die. I want it to be a good one. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it'll happen. Sorry, that was a bit of a sign. So let's get back to Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Wow, that, that's, that's so great. I just imagine, like at the end, I want to be able to say, I kept it. I kept my faith. I fought the fight and I've kept the faith. I finished the race. I win. I get the prize. Oh, that's where my prize is. And I think sometimes even in church, a distraction can become the prize that we get along the journey. Where's my, where's my thanks for doing that? Like, where's my reward? Well, no, I don't, you know what? Save your reward because you want to save it for what's going to last for eternity. Don't try and get it here and now. Save it for eternity save your pennies for heaven they'd be worth a lot more (laughs) if you haven't started your race with Jesus I want to invite you to today you know Jesus is the most wonderful amazing person you will ever meet on this earth there is no one like him there is no one like him he's beautiful And he loves you more than anyone on this earth can. Oh, he is just wonderful. I can't tell you enough how beautiful he is. I love Jesus with all my heart. And I pray that when I do die, that he's glorified. Isn't this your prayer? Is this your prayer? If you've been sidelined, can I encourage you to get back in the race? Don't sit there. Don't give up. You're still breathing, there's still a race to be run. You get into it. Whatever he calls you to do, to get into it, do it. Just do it. I love Nike. (laughs) They say it the best way. Just do it. Stop making excuses. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason you shouldn't run. Gosh, all of us have a good reason not to run. But, oh, I want that reward. I want to see Jesus face to face and say, Jesus, I kept it. 
Don't you? Oh, yes. You know, I did start my race 30 years ago. I could get a little teary here. It's okay. I heard this, we used to sing this song in church when I was a fairly new Christian. Jesus, lover of my soul. I was listening to this just recently and um, I just thought, God, this is still my prayer after 30 years. I'm in my race, I'm still running. (laughs) Some days I might trip, but I'm gonna get back up again. Are you? Are you gonna keep running? No matter what it takes. At the end of the day, you stand before Him alone. He's gotta be the lover of your soul. You gotta love Him more than anything in this earth. There is nothing better on the earth, so why not? There's no one, no one on this earth as good as Him. So live to please Him. Live to bring Him delight and joy. What does it say? Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you go. You've taken me from the miry clay and set my feet upon the rock. And now I know I love you. I need you. And though my world may fall, I will never let you go. You're my saviour, my closest friend, and I will worship you until the very end. That's my prayer today, the same as 30 years ago. And I pray in another 30 and then another 30 until I'm 150. I want this to be my prayer every day. Maybe not this song, but every day my heart, I want it to be. Sorry about that. (laughs) Only by His grace and His mercy and falling at His feet and being like Him, gentle and lowly of heart, can we find this amazing Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, I really, really want to introduce you. Can we just close our eyes? If you'd like to know Jesus, if you'd like to meet him today, can I encourage you to put your hand up and we'll pray with you and I'll pray that you meet him face to face. If you feel sidelined, you feel like you've stepped out of the race for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. Jesus is calling you back into the race today. He wants you to run, run your race. He'll be your strength. We're just going to sing, Jesus, lover of my soul. Make this your prayer. Before him, between you and him alone, there's nobody else. You and him. Make it your prayer to him. He will keep you. He'll strengthen you. If you need prayer, if you need some encouragement from beside you, we're happy to pray with you. You want to come up for prayer. We're going to worship Jesus now and just make it all about him. Forever Jesus. 